The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above Rise all. up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate world. the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and also SonsofLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, and see the face that's made for radio, head over to SonsofLibertyMedia.com and there are two videos at the top of the screen. The one on the left is Bradley's show from the previous day. You can still watch that up until 3 p.m. Eastern. And then it will go live. So if you want to catch Bradley today, just wait till 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and you can click on that, and that will be live. The right side is the morning show. That's what we're doing right now. Just hit the play. You should get the live feed, and then blow it up on whatever device you've got. And click on Rumble there. Join us in the chat. Uh, that takes you right over there. And then we've got a Discord chat that's listed in the video description. If you guys want to congregate over there, you can do that as well. 
Also, we're broadcasting on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page there, as well as DLive.TV at The Sons of Liberty, Twitch at Setting Brush Fires, and also on Roku. If you've got a Roku device, we're on Cutting Edge TV, and we got some people over there carrying us, and we appreciate that very much. Also, right up under where we're streaming live, you can sign up for our email newsletter. You get one of those a day. That's all the articles that we put out for the day, mine, Bradley's, and our contributors. And then if you want the weekly email, go to sonsoflibertyradio.com, sign up for that. You get um, you know whatever is going on in the ministry for that week, Bradley's article for the week, and the special that we're carrying. Speaking of, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. If you would like to help and support us in what we do on the Internet, the radio, and out in the 50 states among the people, reminding them of our Christian and constitutional heritage, which it is – Unlike uh, Barack Hussein Obama, Satora Sabarka said, we've never been a Christian nation. That's just nonsense. Uh, we, we have always been that from the beginning, but sadly, we have begun to apostatize over the decades. And we're going to probably hit on some of that in just a little bit. Also, if you'd like to uh, become a monthly partner with us, we call them our Sons or Daughter of Liberty. You can click that and set that up as well. And then our store is available. A lot of these products you guys have asked for, uh, we've made available so that they can be great conversation starters for you guys in the sphere of influence the Lord has you in. Uh, this week we're highlighting the Prayer That Rocked the Capitol DVD. You can uh, pick this up. This is the one where Bradley went in in 2011, gave the prayer in the Minnesota State Capitol, and within minutes of his prayer being finished, 2,000 media outlets across the United States were distorting what he had said, attacking him, and uh, yeah, it's really interesting to see how the Mockingbird media works in all of this, for sure. But you can pick this up. It's normally a $20 donation. You can get it for 20% off if you order it by Saturday at midnight using the promo code PRAYER. Made it real simple. Use PRAYER, and you get 20% off the DVD if you want to pick that up. And it's very encouraging because you see the trials and the fire that you go through uh, if you're going to stand for the truth, all right? You, you just see it. And, and Jesus warned us. He said, if the world hates me, know that it's going to hate you. Are you above your master? No. Um, but are we to return the hate with hate? No. We're to return. We're to overcome evil with the good, right? We're to demonstrate love, and, and love tells the truth. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. In fact, I'm, I think I haven't been this excited about an interview Um Gosh, I don't I don't know ever. I don't know ever that I've been because of the because of what we're talking about and the ramifications of what we're going to be speaking with. And to to help me do that, I have I, I was just telling him I went on a binge reading of a new book called Moon Man. And this is by Bart Sabrell. And uh, you know, Bradley had Bart on the other week and I said, Oh, I want to have that guy on because I got questions too, because I grew up you know, thinking space program, and I actually went um, and was thinking of joining the Navy. I think I've told you guys this before. I was thinking about joining the Navy in hopes to go and be in the space program. And I went out to California. I went to Jet Propulsion Laboratory. I went, I've been down to Kennedy Space Center, of course. I went out to Miramar. I did all these things. And the the further I got along, people started trickling things about, well, you know, the moon landing wasn't wasn't real. And I was like, what? Because uh, I grew up with little 2XL. Some of you guys don't even remember that. It's a little robot that was an 8-track player converted in this thing where kids could learn stuff. And I was hearing Neil Armstrong say those famous words, and I was learning all this stuff about the space program and all this. And for somebody to say that, it was like, 
What? Are, are you crazy? What's going on here? So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And I want to welcome to the Sons of Liberty, uh, Bart Sabrell. Good morning, man. Good morning, Tim. How's it going? Good. It's going great. It's going great. It's great to see you. And, uh, you know, I, I told you I, I did the binge listening. I, I got my uh, version of uh, Bart's book, uh, Moon Man, on my phone. And I was going back through Chapter 11 because I, I want to bring that up by the end of the show as well because you kind of dropped the bomb there on some things that has not been previously told. And uh, so let me ask you this. You start your book out. It's very it's I I like the way it kind of logically flows from when you're a little boy and all these things, because you had some of some similar things that I did. You kind of uh, uh, idolized the the space program. You saw it was a neat thing. Can you walk us through why did you write this book? You've done all these videos and people can see them at Sabrell.com. You've done all these videos. Why write the book? Well, a lot of people wanted to know the backstory of the production of A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Moon uh, and Astronauts Gone Wild, confronting the lying astronauts about the fraud that they committed and showing them the evidence of the fraud and asking them if they would attest by swearing on the Bible whether they actually walked on the moon or not. There's so much that's not shown in those two films probably like 95% of what was going on in the production of those films. It's not shown. So my dream is to be a feature filmmaker. I've been a filmmaker for 35 years. I produce music videos, documentaries, TV commercials, corporate videos, but I have a theater background and I love telling dramatic stories with humor, with a little kind of, I guess, um, spiritual points of view or lessons you could say in them. So my dream is to produce my first feature film, which is already written a story about the last days and a gentleman, elderly man going from basically a, a military hitman to having a soft heart at the end and repenting basically of his sin in order to be redeemed. Amen. And so I thought, well, I keep getting these emails, thousands of emails about the moon landing, uh, and it it basically diverted my career for a full two decades, producing these movies and researching them. So I said, I need to kind of make a final statement. There are many things that I never talked about in any interview, which are in the book, including me being literally kidnapped by the CIA, drugged with true serum, escaping from their custody taking my urine to a lab in someone else's name and someone else did it. And then finding out that the lab was broken into over the weekend. And the only thing stolen was my urine sample because I intended to prove chemically, you know, that I was drugged by this exotic drug. And then they literally broke into the lab. The CIA did and took that evidence away. So strange things going on. And then we also have a deathbed confession of a man who stood beside President Johnson while they filmed Apollo 11, June 1st, 2nd, and 3rd of 1968 at a particular military base, which is disclosed in the book and the code name of the project and a list of 15 people who were there as eyewitnesses, some of whom are still alive. All of that is in the book for the first time. So it's really in three parts. The first third is kind of the how and why, just through deductive reasoning, that they didn't go to the moon. The second part is these weird espionage adventures that I had to endure producing the film. And the third is really a rallying cry to the citizens of this country and really the world 
because this is the epitome of corruption and arrogance of our government and the people who run the world. Because certainly the Congress and the Senate didn't vote to fake the moon landing. I don't think they would have voted, even if they were corrupt. I don't think they would have voted for such a thing. So what that means is the people who run our country are not our representatives. You see that? So this whole idea that we're a democracy is a complete lie and has been a lie for probably longer than I care to admit. So the book is kind of my final statement, revealing new information and really pleading to the people of this world to wake up and to do something about it. Because the fact is 75% of the country admits that Oswald did not kill Kennedy. We have John McNamara, who was the former defense secretary, admitting that the Gulf of Tonkin incident, which was an alleged attack by a North Vietnamese ship on an American ship, they just made that up. And that led to the death of a million people. And we have 3,000 architects and engineers who say it's impossible for a pinhole airplane to bring down a structure building like that. And now we have a guy who was there at the time when they faked the moon landing. So we have all of this proof that the government is corrupt, including William Benny, who worked for the NSA for 30 years, who said they regularly spy on Supreme Court justices' phone calls in order to get dirt on them, to blackmail them into voting a particular way. It's on the mainstream media as an established fact, and there's not a single investigation. That's how bad it is. So, you, you know, I really like the opening. I literally brought a tear to my eye. Your opening, it's so profound. Uh, your show, more profound than I realized just the opening that this is the state of our country. And, you know, there's a battle going on between good and evil. And the main reason why people don't see the clarity that unfortunately the moon landings were fake. It's not a theory. It's a fact is because they say our, no one, our government wouldn't be so corrupt as to fake such an important thing. So what that really means is the reason why people can't accept that. Yes, the moon landings were fake is really because they don't believe in God. And without a belief in God, they have no concept of good versus evil. So they assume all the national heroes, all the politicians are sincerely trying to make the world a better place when the exact opposite is true. So this is kind of where I'm at. You know, I wish we went to the moon. I went from being the biggest fan to the biggest critic. You know, see how you brought up the Bible there, Tim. Paul, who wrote two thirds of the New Testament, was a rabbi. And, you know, from the book of Acts, it says many rabbis were converted to followers of Jesus. Yep. And he used to kill Christians. And he went from being the biggest critic of Christianity to the biggest leader. And I went from the biggest fan of the moon mission to be the leading advocate to, you know, proclaim, unfortunately, these things were falsified. And if we don't put a stop to it, we're in big trouble. And the unique thing about the, um, moon landing fraud is even though it was the fraud of the federal government that killed the fewest number of people compared to, you know, the Vietnam War, which they lied about, all the witnesses killed to cover up the Kennedy assassination and 9-11, 3,000 people. It's the one that if the truth came out would bring about the most amount of change because it would shock people the most. They, I mean, they held ticker tape parades for these guys. People prayed for their safety. They waved flags when they were perfectly fine. And so I believe it's the most important fraud for the truth to come out and it would bring in the most amount of change. And it's the hardest for people to accept for some reason, you know, 
you can prove deductively that they didn't go to the moon because today with five decades better tech technology than when they first claimed to go to the moon in 1969 the best that nasa can do is send an astronaut one thousandth the distance to the moon so what they're really claiming is that they had one thousand times better technology 50 years ago than they do today which is impossible which means they didn't go and then they destroyed all the original blueprints schematics videotapes all of which you would never do if you really went. Why would you invest $200 billion in today's dollars to do some technological achievement and then completely destroy everything when you were done? They wouldn't do that. The atomic bomb, they maybe should have done that, but it was 1,000 times more powerful 10 years later. So if they could go to the moon with less computing power, one millionth the computing power of a cell phone on the first attempt, then 10 years later, we would have been on Mars and today we'd be in another solar system and there'd be bases all over the moon. Yeah. So right. it just doesn't make sense. Let me let me let me kind of jump in there with that because again, anybody who's seen the old film The Right Stuff, right? Uh where they had Chuck Yeager and they had the Mercury astronauts and all of this, that was one of the things that kind of blew my mind in watching the you know recreation of that history, if you will. And of course the, every, all this stuff they do loosely anyway. But it's like every, and I think you were showing it in one of the the videos. It may have been the the funny thing going, funny thing happened going to the moon. The they had they kept showing all of the different rockets that they were doing. Some of them couldn't get off the launch pad. Some of them would get halfway up and blow up. Some of them would turn around and just crash. And it was just constantly failure after failure after failure. And then finally, um, you know, they're being pushed because. You know, and I, I got to tell you, I now it makes me question what the Russians were doing too. But uh, the whole idea was we got to get a man up into space, and then it was immediately after that we got to get a man to orbit the Earth because we got to catch up. And I thought, what man in their right mind, seeing the seeing the utter failure of what NASA was producing, would get on top of that Roman candle? And say, yeah, I'll I'll go up there and do that. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. It really doesn't. But to your point about why won't people believe this, I just posted this yesterday. Tell me what you think. This is from Yuri Bezmenov, 1939-1933. was a KGB informant. He's the guy who came over here and told us what they were doing. He just told us what they were doing. He said, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who is demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell him nothing. Even if I shower him with information, with authentic proof, with documents and pictures, he'll refuse to believe it. That's the tragedy of the situation of demoralization. Do you think that fits sort of what you're talking about here, that the people have been demoralized from what went on and that that plays a role in why many of them will not embrace uh, the truth concerning, say, the moon landing or 9-11 or some of these other things? Yeah. Um, yes, it's, it's a psychological barrier, not a, not a mathematical one, um, because I talked to a professor of a major university of an aerospace department who refused to accept that the moon landings are fake. And then I asked him, what if you saw Neil Armstrong on national TV tearfully confess that he faked it? And the professor said, I still think they went. So what we need to do is figure out exactly what is demoralization. And then we have to figure out how to undemoralize people. If we can do that, 
then we then they will be able to perceive the truth. The interesting thing, seeing how this is a Christian program, and we know the Bible to be true, and those of you who don't accept that, first you have to read it and decide for yourself. And I read the Bible before I was a Christian five times from cover to cover. And before I read the Bible, I refused to investigate this. I refused to make this movie for fear it might be true and I'd be endangering my life. And then after I read the Bible five times, even though I wasn't a Christian, I realized there is a right and a wrong. There is a judgment for how we live here. And if they fake going to the moon, that's more profound than if they had actually gone. And if that's true, the world needs to know. When you read the Bible, you see that you know, it's not flattering at all. Every hero makes a mistake. In fact, there's only one person in the Bible who God says, I like this guy a lot. And he was a murderer and an adulterer, you know? So grace uh, is basically, we can't undo our sin. There's no way to bring back a, a dead guy I shot, right? But I can repent and must repent. And so the one of the things the Bible says about the last days is that unless God intervenes, no one will survive. So I take that to mean the evil people who are doing these things, killing Kennedy, 9-11, faking the moon landing, faking the current event going on, they are going to win. And the Bible even says the plagues that are probably already started and are going to get worse, that they are done so to encourage people to repent. And then afterwards, it says, yet people still don't repent. So even though we have free will, God knows what we're going to choose before the beginning of time, and people aren't going to repent, and it looks like the evil people are going to win. So what can we do? I think the best scripture is from Acts, save yourself from this corrupt generation. You know, the film opens up, a funny thing happened on the way to the moon, which by the way, cost half a million dollars. It was financed by a board member of an aerospace company who builds rockets for NASA, who knows it was fake, who felt it was his patriotic duty to put the word out. It opens up with scriptures where there is pride, then comes disgrace. And then we show the Tower of Babel. See, back until just a couple hundred years ago, the greatest technology was how tall could you build a building without it collapsing on itself. And even to this day, as soon as the tallest building is built, another nation tries to outdo them by one story taller, and it still goes on and on. So the Bible says that the reason they were trying to build the Tower of Babel was to boast, look how good we are, and it was never finished. Then we showed the Titanic, which was at that time the largest machine ever built by the hand of man, and they put in writing, an advertisement, the ship that God himself could not sink, and we know what happened there. So we have the Tower of Babel boasting, never finished. We have the Titanic boasting, never made one voyage. And then Tricky Dick Nixon said, when he knew they were not on the moon, putting a man on the moon was the greatest event since creation itself. Mm, yep, and it was yep. never done either. So what's the greatest accomplishment of mankind? Putting a man on the moon. And how ironic that it was never done. In fact, Second Thessalonians 2.9 says, the coming of the lawless one, Lucifer, will be in accordance with counterfeit miracles. And what is putting a man on the moon except a modern day miracle? And it's counterfeit. And I realized this as after I read the Bible five times, this means something. This is important to God. And my hope and prayer is I will live to see the truth come out. And I think that would be a great thing. I mean, just imagine with me for a moment, Tim, 
we we both get a tap on the shoulder. Everyone around us is excited. They say, stop the interview, turn on the TV. And we see one of the astronauts tearfully confessing. And it becomes an established fact that the moon landings were fake. That's like waking up from sleepwalking when you're one foot away from a cliff. I think it would be a great thing. Now, sometimes, let's say you have gangrene, you know, on your left arm. You could ignore it and then you will die. Or you could cut it off and you're going to have to deal with that. That's where we are. We have to admit that the moon landings are fake. Otherwise, there's no hope for humanity or country or truth until God intervenes. And so, but but acknowledging it, it probably caused the dollar to crash, the stock market to crash, and we'd be an embarrassment for to the world. But what choice do we have? We have to cut off that gangrene or we will die. Well, we part, have to face facts. Yeah, part part of repentance is sometimes... It looks bad. Let's take, for instance, uh, and, and by the way, everybody knows you and I probably have a little bit, we have a, a difference in eschatological views, but the application is, is very much the same in that Ephesians uh, 5.11 tells us that we're to expose and reprove the works of darkness, and that includes big lies like the moon landing or 9-11 or any of this other stuff. By the way, Titanic, uh, that was not I don't I don't buy that that's just about an iceberg. There were a lot of guys on there and the Federal Reserve was pushing their stuff through and I think there's a lot of people who didn't want some of those people who are on board uh alive. So there's a whole story to that thing too. Maybe you want to pick that up. I don't know. Uh but uh, yeah yeah I mean at first I thought that was preposterous and then the more I lived <laughs> the more I realized that could very well be true. Believe it or not when I first heard about chemtrails I said give me a break. And then I started getting up really early in the morning. I live nowhere near the airport, and I see that they're trying to hide it and get their job done before sunrise, and they're a little behind schedule. And there's a whole grid for days and years right outside my window in the morning. And if you watch the clouds, they widen and widen and widen and widen and become these new clouds they discovered. And so, you know, who's to say, you know, what what first I thought, uh, you know, was, was preposterous is absolutely true. I mean, what can we do uh, there? Hitler was that was less than 100 years ago. And he and so was Stalin. And they killed tens of millions of people mm-hmm. because of their beliefs. I don't think that those people or those type of people are not alive today because they are. And when one person says their goal, their lifelong goal is to lower the population by 93 yep. percent, which means if you have a room of 34 people, they want to get rid of 32 of them. You know, why in the world would they create a medicine that's going to save the lives of hundreds of millions of people? Uh, you yeah. know, it yeah, doesn't take too much to figure that one out. That's right. And so this this is the world that we live in. And to me, the moon landing fraud is kind of the the epitome example of government. If they didn't have to do it, they could have just admitted the goal that Kennedy set cannot be done. It's actually the easiest thing to fake. I mean, Kennedy had 200 witnesses. World War II had millions of witnesses, and even the current event that they're that they're you know lying about, at least it's done here on Earth, and you have competing medical professionals with a different view. Of course, those are all censored. But when you go to the moon with only three people and a TV picture controlled by the government, and then and the guy in the heart of mission control says they could tell no difference between a real flight and a simulation. It's just a bunch of numbers on a screen. It's actually the easiest thing to fake that they ever fake. And then you have that TV picture that's black and white, which could have been shot in someone's backyard at night with a spotlight. And then they deliberately 
destroyed the quality of it generations. They wouldn't give a live feed. They projected it, filmed the projection and made you film a monitor of the projection, you know, all intentionally. It's actually the easiest thing to fake. But once it's burned into people's hearts, they were on the moon. It's really hard to give to give that up. It's like taking candy from a baby. We have to be willing you know, it's like being trapped in a car. We'll go back to the limb again. <laughs> Example, we're trapped in a car. The car's on fire. They got the jaws of life. They say, we're going to pull you out of here, but you're going to lose your arm. I, to me, it's a quick decision. Go for it. You know what I mean? And uh, that's the same way with this. We we need to see it that way. We have to face facts. We have to admit it. And it'll it'll be, you know, messy. There'll be hearings, will be a disgrace, but it'll also clean house. Yep. We yep. have to do that. Otherwise, there's no hope. Yeah. You know, Bart, I'm thinking of how it is for the sinner. The sinner has to come to terms with the fact that he he has violated God's law and now he stands condemned by God, not by me or or by you or anybody else. He stands condemned by God, and it's a result of his unbelief. He believes something that's not true, and he continues in that life thinking, judgment's not coming to me. I've got everything well. You know, the rich man that Jesus speaks about, I've got everything stored up. And so he has to be confronted. He has to be like, uh, you know, those of us who share the gospel people have to be sort of like the doctor to come and say, wait a minute, you really are sick. Here's how. Here's the law of God. Have you broken any of these laws? Have you, you know, even in your heart, uh, Paul says it was the one on covet. I was perfect on the outside, but it was that covetous one that got me because that wasn't an external thing. That was inside of me. And the covetous man is an idolater, Paul writes, and he's, I would dare say, he's an adulterer, he's a murderer, he's a thief. Why? Because all of those stem from covetousness. And so you have to hold that up to show the person they're sick so that they desire the remedy, which in the case of sin is the Lord Jesus Christ, his perfect life and perfect well, the, work. The best way to show that someone is sick, Tim, yeah. is to remind them that they're going to die. Yep. Because, you know, to me, the most profound scripture in the Bible is what good is it to gain the whole world and forfeit your yep, soul? That's right. And these people who faked the moon landing, killed Kennedy doing the fake event that's going on. They're doing a fabulous job, and then they're going to be on their deathbed, drooling, peeing on themselves, and then what after they die? Because if you don't make it into eternal life, you're a complete failure. Mm. And it seems to me that Jesus even suggests that most people who claim they're Christians aren't going to make that's it. Right. He says, because of the you know increase of wickedness, you could say covetousness, the love of most, I think, believers is going to grow cold, cool. but he yep. who holds to the very end will be saved. So anyone out there who doesn't believe in God, just consider you could be wrong. Do things really make themselves, you know? And if you're wrong, after this life, you know, you, you will be either be dead forever or alive forever. And, yep. you know, eternity is a long time. I would definitely consider the possibility that there is a God and there is a judgment. I mean, it just makes perfect sense where that there's right and wrong, truth and lies, and that we're judged based on our life. You know, yep. when Jesus was asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said, obey. And the Bible says, this is love for God to obey his commandments. Many people, and I think he's saying believers, will say, Lord, Lord, didn't this, that, and the other. He says, get away from me. I, I never knew you. Because you practice they, iniquity. They, that's right. You can judge a tree by its fruit. Now, you don't have to be perfect, but you have to try, I guess I could say. Well, I like to, to say perfect. it's the trajectory. 
Yeah. It's the trajectory of your life. It's going in the opposite direction of where it was towards destruction. Now it's going towards life. Right. You can't, you can't undo a person you killed. It's not possible. So that's what grace is. Grace is going to forgive that anyway. At the same time, the Bible says you have to forsake, give up. You have to be born again. And where is that birth? It's really in your mind. You have to decide that I'm not going to do those sinful things anymore. Never. And if you happen to fall or a bad habit of smoking or whatever, it takes a little bit longer to get over. So be it, except get over it eventually. And as long as we're, you know, doing our best, grace will cover everything else. You know, uh, this idea that you, you're baptized and you're saved forever, you don't have to do anything. That's not true. That's multiple times, especially in Hebrews 10. If we deliberately go on sinning after we receive the There's knowledge no of the sacrifice truth, for no sin. sacrifice for That's sin right. is left. And so... It's like it's like a race. You know, we're all lined up at that race. Paul called it a race and the gun goes off. A million people are on the line. Only one person wins. But God in his grace gives the gold medal eternal life to everybody. But to get to that line, you have to qualify. You have to pass a drug test. You have to be of uh, certain wins in the past or gender or whatever it is. You have to qualify. And so we qualify for eternal life by, by repenting. I mean, the first words out of God's mouth in the Bible in the Old Testament are repent. New Testament, John the Baptist, first words, repent. Jesus yep. hits the scene, repent. When he sends out the 72, repent. When Jesus speaks from heaven at the last book in Revelation, repent. I think yep. you have to repent in order to grab hold of eternal life well, yeah, qualify for Absolutely. It, you know? and, the, and the Bible is very clear, too, that we have to have God even to do that because Paul says we do these things in order that God may grant repentance. Even repentance is just as much a gift as faith you know, that, because that, he doesn't give it to everybody. Thing if, if, if I, that's very profound, if I may add to that. So what that means, seeing how I believe you are right, and that's a, that's kind of a new thing for me to understand, and I appreciate you bringing that to my attention. So let me try to try to take it to the next step, which is how do you get that uh, grant of repentance? And, and that is by surrendering. You know, during World War II, I wasn't there, but the end of it, you know, the, the Japanese were, were surrendering and the conditions were unconditional, right? And at first they said, well, can we have just a small army? We've got China on our back. We're going to need that. MacArthur said, no, to- total surrender. And then they said, well, can we keep the emperor, you know, just for social continuity, you know, in place? And they said, no, unconditional surrender. Now, the next one I'm making up as a parable, but imagine they said, can we keep the emperor's hat? You know, it's made of paper, but it's, you know, a couple hundred years old. And can we have that? And of course, MacArthur would have said no. And he would have taken the hat, thrown it overboard. It's not about the hat. It's about total surrender. Now, once you total surrender, maybe that's when you get what you're talking about, the gift, the Holy Spirit enabling you to repent. But until you surrender, you don't get that. Maybe that's, that's the key. Well, here's the thing, Bart. I, I've done a I've done a whole show in dealing with that, and I'll be happy to send it to you if you want to listen to it. But uh, I believe it's the reform perspective of that the reason you repent is because you've been made alive, Ephesians two, and mm-hmm. you don't decide to do that. You don't any more than you decide to be born. Uh, John, the first chapter of John uh, talks about it's not of the will of the flesh, right, or the will of blood, and it, it, but it's of God. So when some when you see somebody converted who's been given a new birth, they're given faith, they're given repentance, they're given why? Because that's what Jesus purchased for them. And as Charles Spurgeon rightly said, he says, "Does Jesus not get what he paid for? Of course he does." 
And so we have to come to terms with the fact that Christ has not died for everybody in the world, nor everybody was in hell before he came. If he did, they would all be out and nobody would go there. But his his death has be, is a righteous substitute for his people, and whatever he paid for, he's going to make sure he does it. And so that's why we have to be faithful, because we don't know who they are. We preach the gospel to every creature in hopes that God would show mercy to them in the same way he did to us. But I And I wanted to save this more towards the end, uh, but you brought it in the middle, and that's fine. We'll probably touch on this a little bit more, but let's let's go back a little bit to this issue of this moon landing, because... I think it can help some people understand the deceptive nature of man, uh, and because he's a sinner, this deceptive nature, even to the point where when I was watching your video with uh, the astronauts gone wild and sitting there in the, uh, what was it, uh, all, uh, Buzz Aldrin sitting there looking you in the face, not even blinking, and just lying through his teeth and... No, he had to have known he was been caught. He had been caught, and yet he wouldn't. And you mentioned the CIA. I wanted to bring this up. Our friend Kevin Ship, he was with the CIA, and he told me about this. He said this scripture is on the wall. I didn't know it was on the floor here, but and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. John eight thirty two. I thought that was very interesting. See, this is how the devil works. He uses scripture just like he did with Matthew four uh, with with Jesus. He'll bring scripture up, and he'll take it out of context and make it into something else. And that we know that. The CIA are some of the biggest liars there are. I mean, as as a group, they're some of the biggest liars there are. And uh, what I want to ask you is, can you give us some examples? We got about seventeen minutes or so. Maybe pick three examples that you can think of that you think are the most uh, profound pieces of evidence to demonstrate the moon landing never happened. Well, for me, when I uncovered the classified footage, which is shown in a funny thing happened on the way to the moon, there's also an additional book clip of about 17 minutes long where I kind of analyze it even better. We found footage of them faking being halfway to the moon. It's that one all the way to the right on the top row. Uh, That one, you can see basically that little circle there. That's a fake Earth, and that's the astronaut's arm going in front of a one-foot model of the Earth. And so basically we catch them faking being halfway to the moon on a classified reel with the CIA on the third channel of audio telling them not to answer NASA immediately because it'll give away that they're still in Earth orbit because there's no radio delay to count off four seconds first and then answer. We have that on the tape. So then we have a photograph of shadows intersecting at 90 degrees from objects five feet apart that are supposed to be in sunlight which is mathematically impossible. It has to be an electrical light really close as one angle is off if you're a few feet away from it. And then we have just deductive reasoning. They can't have 1,000 times greater capability 50 years ago with one million, the computing power of a cell phone than they do today. How come they're 1,000 times more advanced 50 years ago than they are today? Technology does not go backwards. It's impossible for technology to go backwards. I mean, when Lindbergh flew across the Atlantic in 1927, 10 years later, there were thousands of aircraft, 100 times more complicated. So we should be, you know, so much more advanced than we are now. And yet now we can only go 1,000 the distance to the moon. So that proves it. And then we have the deathbed confession of a guy who was there, said so on his deathbed. He gives the military base where it was there. And sure enough, there's proof that Johnson was there at the time, just like he said. Uh, I talked to his relative. He showed me the photographs of him being in uniform at that base. And we have a list of 15 people who were there. 
who some of whom are still alive. And I have that confirmed independently that, yes, for, you know, one of those people was at that base at that time to do a classified project. So we have an eyewitness, we have logic and we have, you know, multiple photographic proofs that it was filmed in intelligence studio and they're faking being halfway to the moon. There you go. I mean, if a college professor says a confession from the guy who was there isn't good enough for him, I don't know what to say, you know, because uh, some people just it's a God to them. That's what it is. Putting a man on the moon is their God. When someone doesn't believe in God, their God is science and science is completely political. People have cheated about Nobel Prizes having to give them back. They do it all the time. They're doing it now. You know, Pfizer was indicted for. I think a total of over $4 billion in fines for making fraudulent claims about their products. They lie. You know what I mean? So and was, so, so was Johnson and Johnson and putting out uh, cancerous products uh, to, to its, its people. And, you know, even the moms, they were saying you need to use the baby powder. It's good for your skin, blah, 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 has known carcinogens in it. People develop cancers and, and they had to pay through the nose, but they're still in business. This is what drives me crazy. They're still yeah, in mean, business, it, and we have yeah. even those businesses now who were in bed with the Nazis in Germany back then. There's still American country uh, companies here who were treasonous to the American people. I mean, the the thing that keeps missing and that we say here at the Sons of Liberty is the one thing missing is justice. The very character of God as a just and holy God, men are not exercising. They're not bringing that to an end where it's a righteous end. And, and dealing with the evil, as the Bible says, putting the evil away from you, right? So it doesn't fester. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. But we're not doing that. So, okay, so we got several things there that, that you've given. And people can see these in the um, in the video clips that you've got at sabrell.com. But they can also hear about some of these in uh, this work, Moon Man. Now, one of the things that I want to kind of get towards here near the end is in chapter... Which one is that one? I was just re-listening to it. Chapter just so 11. Chapter 11, you dropped a bombshell, and you, you held on to that little nugget of truth because you told the person that you would do it. Would you like to share some of that as to what that was, who the people were involved? Because, again, this one is one that even as a person who, a young person who would read all the books and, you know, get the, I would even get the Encyclopedia Britannica out and, uh, you know, I would just, I would love the, the pictures. I would love to read about these people and all. The Apollo 1 yeah. fire, that one is the one that I just said, this seems kind of weird. I mean, these guys are on the ground. It's not like they got, they're sitting on top of a bomb here. Uh, and they're burned up. And three men perished in that. Can you tell people the, the, the bombshell that you drop here in Chapter 11 of your book? Yeah, this is a, one, another part that I did not release until the book because the relatives of the dead astronaut asked me to postpone it. Uh, basically I was asked a question by an interviewer, you know, a few months ago, what difference does it make whether they fake the moon landing or not? And I would agree with him if it weren't for what I'm about to say, if no one died faking the moon landing, it's just like counterfeiting money or Picasso who cares? Yeah, you're clever. But what I'm about to tell you makes a difference. And what I'm about to tell you is why the government is so concerned about the truth coming out. According to the widow of a dead astronaut and according to his son, who is a 747 pilot. So I think I know what he he knows what he's talking about. The crew that would have been the first crew to walk on the moon, which is Gus Grissom, uh, Roger Chaffee and Ed White. 
according to the dead man's relatives, they were murdered by the CIA a day before he died in an accident that was sabotage. And they're the ones who say it was sabotage, not me. He told his wife, for some strange reason, for the first time ever, the CIA is all over the launch pad. And the very next day, the guy dies. Now, this guy was a whistleblower. He was complaining to congressmen, senators, all the way up the chain of command that they're 10 years away from going to the moon, not two. He was the most beloved of the astronauts with the media. So they picked him to be the first man on the moon, hence Apollo 1. And after he hung a lemon on the top of the spacecraft, complaining that it was a lemon, held the press conference, having people take a picture of it without permission, they said, we got to get rid of this guy. And to make it not look like an accident, we better kill these other two people with him. It was also a warning to the rest of the people, you had better cooperate or something will happen. So the problem that the government has is if the truth comes out that the moon landings were fake, the very next thing that they're going to open up is the Apollo 1 fire, which means that the government killed their own citizens to keep their crime a secret. And it gets worse. In order to do the sabotage in the spacecraft to cause that fire, it took materials and it took labor. It took money, which is the taxpayers. So basically us, we're funding the homicides of our brothers. You see that? And so the first document of our country isn't the Constitution. It isn't the Bill of Rights. It's the Declaration of Independence. And it says we have the right to what first? Life. And the government took that away. And then it goes on to say, if any form of government takes away our life, we have the right to abolish and start anew. That's right. So if if a, if a state, let's say Texas, wants to be its own nation, according to our own documents, they have that right. And it's actually in the Bible. It says when someone wants to divorce you, you let them. Yep. So there you go. And we are well past that hour when they kill their own president, when the dead man's nephew, who has access to more documents than we do, says the CIA killed President Kennedy. I think the CIA killed President Kennedy. And when the dead man's relative says the CIA killed the man who would be the first man who walked on the moon, I think the CIA did it just like they said. And they are taking away our life. We have the right to what? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What is first? Life. They took away his life to cover their own crimes, and they used our tax dollars to fund it. And now we need to move on to the next sentence, which is when any government starts killing their own people, we have the right to abolish it and start fresh. Yep. And that's what we need to do. Amen. Amen. Now, these three guys, the three guys who are on there, I'm going to play this little clip for people who may not have ever heard it. But this is the audio from when that fire took place on this. It wasn't even, I guess it was a, a capsule kind of thing, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't functioning. It, what, this is where they kind of practiced everything. Who were the three guys, Gus Grissom and the other two men? Roger, uh, uh, White and Chaff- Chaffee, Roger Chaffee and Ed White. Okay. And right. I think you're going to play this heartbreaking audio. Oh, it is. It, but I think people need to hear it because there's a whole generation who's grown up who know nothing about what went on here. They, yeah, this they, happened January 27th, 1967. It was called a plug out test. They weren't firing the rockets and yet they died anyway, yeah. which is, you know, kind of weird. The the last words before you the clip you're about to play, they couldn't get a wired intercom to work between two buildings. Hmm. So he said, look, how are we going to go to the moon when we can't get a wired intercom to work? And yeah. then shortly thereafter, he was dead. Yeah. Take a listen to this. 
This is this is one of those things, you know, Bart, when you hear it, these men probably it didn't even go through their mind that somebody set us up. All of a sudden something's happened. They don't know what's going on. They're well, let me tell you real quickly what go they ahead. did beforehand. Yeah. They normally and everybody knew from Soviet mistakes that the that the NASA tracked and meticulously to not pressurize a capsule with one hundred percent oxygen, just to use air like a scuba tank. But they did it intentionally anyway to where steel wool would become flammable. And then a couple of days before, they reversed the door from one that opened outward to one that opened inward and took an extra two minutes. And then they put and they found forensically a pile of oily rags underneath Gus Grissom's seat. You see, so they increased the oxygen by 100 percent in which steel wool would catch on fire. They put a flammable material intentionally under his seat. And they pressurized it with 100% oxygen, and they reversed the door so that it was more difficult to get out. They did all this days beforehand. And then, of course, the CIA was there for the first time ever the day before the fire. And the guy was a whistleblower, and the guy was having unpromptu press conferences, hanging lemons on top of the spacecraft, saying the thing is a piece of junk. And they got rid of him. And the dead man's widow says so. It was deliberately set. And the dead man's son, who's a 747 pilot, says it was deliberately set. And they say so with forensic evidence. So there you have it. If the truth comes out about the moon landings being fake, which they were, the very next thing they're going to have to investigate is the murdering of their own citizens to keep it a secret, spending the citizens' tax money to do it, violating the Declaration of Independence. That's why they don't want the truth about the moon landing fraud to come out. Not just because it's embarrassing, because then it'll be known that they murdered their own people to keep it a secret. Yeah. You know, you were saying something before about, you know, no big deal if, you know, nobody didn't die or something. And this is a pretty big deal. Uh, three men lost their lives. And who knows? Who knows who else they killed? Maybe some unknown people who are well, behind we, the we scenes. Have, we, we've, we've done a pretty good job. And people from Fox News have also tracked, like, I think it was seven backup crews who you know, could have been moonwalkers. They died like seven of them in a year and a half time. I mean, yeah. What's the likelihood of accidents? Then the leading critic, uh, Ronald Barron died. And then of course, Gus Grissom died and two other people who was also a critic. And then to tell you the truth there, my source at that particular military base, which is revealed in the book, he, he observed a homicide because uh, the person was going to go public about it at his own base. So, mm, mm. yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. There's there's all kinds of people, and then that's just the ones that we know. Uh, this right. isn't this doesn't count anybody who might be in a small you if, know kind if of I thing. Didn't, if did I didn't something. escape myself from being abducted, they probably would have killed me and thrown my body on a railroad track and had me run over by a train to destroy the forensic evidence. You know what I mean? And right. burn my body. Thank yeah, you. and you actually have you actually have a recording, and people can hear this at sabrell dot com on the on the moon landing uh, video links, where one of the astronauts' sons actually says, "Should we get him? Uh, should we call the CIA and have him waxed?" And I got to tell you, I wasn't expecting it when you put that little uh, vignette up about being waxed. 
Uh, and the guy, I'm not going to tell people and spoil it, but trust yeah. me, you need to watch yes. that just for a good laugh. You really do. So basically what we have is an unintentional recording when I left the wireless microphone on the astronaut because he assaulted me and threatened to shoot me, shoot me. And uh, our camera guy, you know, left the camera recording in the car outside. We recorded their private audio inside their house with the door closed. And the astronaut is discussing with his son whether or not to call the CIA to have me assassinated. Now, if they really went to the moon and I'm just some silly person who thinks otherwise, why would they need to kill me? Oh, exactly. Unless I'm genuinely uncovering a horrendous government fraud, then maybe the CIA might have to do that. So that's proof of the fraud right there. The fact that they destroyed all the evidence and all their schematics of the rocket afterwards is proof of the fraud. Because if they really spent $200 billion to go to the moon, they would never destroy it. But if they committed a fraud, they would destroy it. So the fact that they destroyed everything is actually proof of the fraud. Then we have photographic evidence. We have a video of them committing you know, fake photography in front of your eyes. And we have an eyewitness and we have logic that they can't be 1,000 times more advanced 50 years ago than they are today. More than enough evidence to prove that there is a fraud. If people keep an open mind, they come to the very same conclusion that I and many other people did. If people have made a god out of putting a man on the moon, then they will never see the truth. Yeah, yeah. You know, Bart, we're, we're coming up on the end of the show here. Uh, can you can you hang over for just a couple of minutes afterwards? Because I, this one might... Uh, I want to set this up here a little bit, uh, and I'm going to. Here's what I want to do. Let me ask this question after we close out the show. I'm going to give you about. uh, You got about a minute here uh, if you want to plug your site and if you want to give a final word here, at least to the radio audience. And you guys can check us out on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com or BeforeIt'sNews.com for the rest of the interview. But I'm going to go ahead and give you that minute and uh, go ahead and take it away. Well, just go to Sibrel S I B R E L dot com. You see my last name there sabrell.com and you can get the book either a hard copy kindle or audiobook you'll see the video links there in the top left hand corner moonman video links and you'll see these films that cost a million dollars to produce that have more than enough evidence to show that the moon landing is a fraud uh, there's also 15 interactive links like nasa saying that they destroyed all the equipment like nasa saying the ability to go through the Van Allen radiation belts, which starts at about a thousand miles up, that the technology to do so has yet to be invented. So how could you go through them to the moon back mm. if the technology today doesn't exist yet? We have them on camera saying so. We have more than enough evidence uh, that the moon landings are fake. I-, I wish they were real. When I found the classified footage of fake photography, it just broke my heart. I mean, I'm like, they really didn't go to the moon. It brought mm. a tear to my eye. I'm like, this is the world that I live in. Yep. How Bart, sad hang- and dark is that? Hang on. We're going to finish up the interview here with Bart Sabrell. Join us again on sonsoflibertymedia.com, beforeitsnews.com, dlive.tv at the Sons of Liberty. Catch us there. Catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com. And we'll see you in the morning, Lord willing, 6 a.m. Adios. Okay, all right, we want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. And uh, Bart, here's the question I want to ask you. You know, you said if they just kind of faked it and nobody died, it wouldn't be a big deal. And then you kind of related it to somebody doing a Picasso or something. But the whole idea behind that is getting money, getting funds. And so other people have been harmed in the process. My parents, my grandparents, my brothers, my sisters, all of our countrymen have all been harmed by this government 
because you mentioned uh, 80 something million dollars and then 200 billion dollars and now whatever they're you know every year they're getting cut into the budget for all kinds of money and basically all of that is akin it's based on the lie that they did send a man to the moon that they really know what they're talking about you know that they're involved in all of this stuff and so they're ripping off the people uh in the process and i got to tell you when I, I i was thinking before before we you know got you on the air here I said, you know, what is the what is the space program really rep? What is it really produced? We can talk about Tang, and I think there's some kind of special pin that they made or something like that. But they're always telling us, oh, we need to see how this works in zero gravity and blah blah blah. Well, they don't have to go to space for that. They can get their plane that does the loop de loops that you know they practice in. They can do that and that if that's what they want to do. But it seems to me that there is a bigger, a larger agenda. We could see the propaganda to go against the space race for Russia. I can see that. But it seems like there's a bigger agenda that spawned out of that that has really taken Americans for a ride, a very expensive ride, um, while they're doing what they're doing. Because uh, I recall this little um, clip from, what was that film? Independence Day, you know, where they're supposed to have aliens. And I see them cooking that crap up, too. And I think it's all it's all a, a hoax to pull something out on the people. We, we've seen Project Blue Beam, where they want to recreate the second coming of Christ and push people in to, you know, kind of control them and things of this nature. Do you see that as well? Do you see this theft of literally trillions of dollars over the course of decades as as a great crime against the people that needs to be corrected? Well, the Bible says money yep. is the root of all evil. The person, uh, a military person who told me the moon landings were fake, and I still hoped that they were real so that our world wouldn't be that bad. Uh, he said, it's money. It's all about money. And so, you know, I used to go, Tim, to this fried chicken place. And uh, I was the, always the only customer in there. And there was a lady sitting there with like a 20-line telephone taking calls nonstop and writing things down. So uh, here in where I live, uh, at least it used to be decades ago, uh, fried chicken places or hot fried chicken places were kind of fronts for gambling. And so NASA is just a front. I mean, uh, for, for money, it didn't cost $200 billion to go to the moon because they didn't go to the moon. All they did is orbit the earth and they had done that before. So what percentage of the money did they squander? I would say probably 90% of it or something like that. Then I'm thinking just now, well, if NASA's a front, maybe HUD department of housing and urban development is a front. Yep. Maybe, you know, every government agency is a front to milk money. Na- NASA certainly is. So why shouldn't the others, uh, it, it probably cost and you're good to bring up other points, even if it didn't kill somebody, what's the relevance? And you're right. I think it's something an equivalent of every taxpayer over 18 paying something like $2,000 to pretend to go to the moon. I could use $2,000. I don't know about you. Oh yeah. So that that's relevant. And then of course it's the, it's the spiritual implications that the greatest event in human history uh, is being fraudulent. Doesn't that mean something? Doesn't that, isn't you there would some think. spiritual lesson here yep. going on? So that's, of course, relevant. And then uh, if the Bible is true, which it is, and it says that there'll be counterfeit miracles in the last days and putting a man on the moon is a you know modern-day counterfeit miracle, it probably means something in that way, too. So the good thing is, is that Jesus said everything concealed will be revealed. And I saw a clip the other day from a doctor who knows that the current event is completely contrived. Yeah, the Convid uh, 1984 you know, is what I call it. 
And and he said, the good thing is the truth will eventually come out. And that was a little reassuring to me. The question is when, you know, God's timing and our timing is a little bit different. We, We don't really have to worry if we believe in God and stay faithful to the end, we'll make it. And really, you know, the the number one scripture, Tim, that makes me know that Jesus is not from this earth and therefore from God is when he said, love your enemy, because the Muslims are bombing the Jews, the Jews are bombing the Muslims, and the alleged Christian USA is bombing everybody else. So that means that Bill Gates and Fauci and Soros and all the people we, you know, potentially rightly criticized. They're really not not our enemy, or even if they are, we need to love them. You know, we need to feel sorry that if these people continue on the path that they're on, they're not going to make it. And we need to, we need to pray. I've prayed for at least one person, one person, Lord, you know, in the Illuminati, the corrupt world leaders to come forward and give glory to God. What a, what a beautiful thing. Can you imagine how beautiful that would be? We see, a, a, you know, maybe the prime minister of Canada admitting that the current event is fraudulent. He was told to do it. They, he, you know, he's really, you know, has skeletons in the closet. He confesses what they are. He said they were blackmailing me. I'm sorry. I mean, what a beautiful thing that would be. Not to mention, we'd have another brother in heaven, you know? And so I hope something like that happens. We, we need to not hate these people because we're commanded not to. Remember, the scripture goes on to say that if we only love people who are like us and in our group, we're no different than the pagans. So really, the key, the proof, you could say, that you're really a Christian and not a fake Christian who won't be saved is loving your enemy. Because I know some people who claim to be Christians, and they will not talk to their own children or parents because of some offense they did 20 years ago. That's true. And they claim to be Christians. Yep. You know, so Jesus says, Unless you forgive other people their sins, yours will not be forgiven. And he said, love your enemy. Love your enemy is a hard teaching. It might be the hardest. You know, I'm in a building that's allegedly non-smoking. And we have smoking people all around us. And we're breathing it in like it's in our house. It smells so bad. And I was preaching a couple of times, love your enemy on some show like this. And then I had that smoker move in. And I'm like, oh, now I got to do it. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, and absolutely, it absolutely, hard. it was hard, but I persevered and I did do it. Yeah, and you know? and and we, and we are have called... to re- realize, if I may add, that they're harassed yeah. and helpless sheep. Yeah, well, yeah. That, that's true, Bart. One of the things that we talk about, some people think it's unloving to call for justice. And I've often said, you know, even in our history, when somebody was con- convicted of a capital crime, they were going to put them to death. They usually had a couple of days, and they would send in a chaplain. And that chaplain would present the gospel to those people and constantly call them to repentance because, look, they were going to face the justice of man, but they didn't want that person to face the justice of God, which was eternal. And so with that said, I'm totally with you. I think that we we do do those things. It's amazing to me, though, uh, the, the disconnect of people. They'll say, oh, we need to pray for Donald Trump. Well, he's been as bad as the other guys, to be honest with you, when you start looking at what he does. And but then and they say God put him in that place. Okay, but he put Barry in there too, who was illegitimate. Did you pray for him? And they won't say anything. And it's I, like yeah, they I don't understand that the yeah. same God who puts one in, he puts up kings, he he takes them down and all this other, and they don't understand that. And so they, they kind of do it fanciful for whatever their situation is. But you're saying, look, 
this is the command for us, and it is it is a difficult thing for us to do in and of ourselves. This is why we must have the Spirit of God. If we don't have the Spirit of God, we're none of His, and we're not going to obey any of this stuff, nor are we going to be inclined to want to do those things. But let me ask you this question. One last thing, and, uh, and then I'll let you close out. One of the fascinating things that I heard, you know, and I, I, like I said, I've been to Kennedy Space Center probably when I was a teen, I think when I was a teenager when I was down there, and they have the big Saturn V rocket right out in front and everything. You were talking, I think it was in the book, it might have been one of the videos, I kind of got it, I did a lot of stuff all at once. You were talking about how big this thing would have had to have been to actually go to the moon. Can you give people a picture of what it is now and what it would have had to have been to actually make it to the moon? Yeah, and again, just like the Apollo 1 fire, it's not my opinion, it's the opinion of qualified people. According to Von Braun, the rocket designer of the rocket to go to the moon, he published before Kennedy misspoke and said, we're going to do it before the end of the decade, which proved to be impossible. He said, mathematically, the numbers speak for themselves meaning they're irrefutable, unchangeable. He said in order to reach the, the moon in one rocket, nonstop return trip, it would have to weigh 800,000 tons. The Saturn V weigh 2,500 tons, which is a difference of 30,000%. He said he published it in writing. These figures are irrefutable, unchangeable, 800,000-ton rocket. And he said, I don't see how anyone could afford that. Therefore, it probably will never be built. And when, when he says that is what it takes mathematically to reach the moon, an 800,000-ton rocket, and their Saturn V weighed only, weighed only 2,500 tons, a difference of 30,000%, that's why they destroyed all the equipment, because it could be proven that these things couldn't have left Earth orbit. The lunar module could not have combated 250-degree outside temperatures with a bank of car batteries getting air conditioning down more than 125 degrees to 72 degrees. And that he also said that there's micrometeorites, particles of sand hitting the moon nonstop, thousands of them an hour, traveling at 25,000 miles an hour, that you'd immediately have to go into a cave or build a lead shelter in order to not be killed. And they were you know, sitting there in something that had the thickness of tinfoil uh, and their spacesuit, which was cloth and a little bit of metal, uh, and a micrometeorite never killed them. And he said there'd be a 50% chance of a catastrophic failure every 24 hours. So seeing how they went six times and were sitting there on the surface, I don't know, a total of 20 hours. They should have died, uh, I guess, ten times. So, yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, now, how big? How big would that uh, rocket? That doesn't make any sense. How big right? would that rocket have been? Didn't you say it was something like twelve hundred stories? It would have been tall to be eight hundred thousand tons. Something I don't remember like? the height of it, but I do remember the tonnage of it. It was substantially, you know, taller. I've been beside a vertical Saturn V rocket, and the thing is huge. And to imagine that you'd have to have a rocket five or ten times taller and like twenty times wider. To reach the moon, I mean, it's just, you know, mind-boggling. Oh, it is. And, yeah, so that's what he said. So math doesn't change. I think if 2 plus 2 equals 4 in 1960, I think it's going to equal the same in 1969. So when Kennedy misspoke and said, you know, we're going to go to the moon before the decade, he had to literally change his math and, and lie and say, of course, the guy was a Nazi. And the State Department admitted there's an interview of a guy on camera from the State Department saying he was this close to being indicted for war crimes had he not died when he died. 
And so, you know, there you go. When when they say we're going to execute you for war crimes or if you help us fake the moon landing, we won't kill you and we'll put you up in a mansion. I wonder what choice the guy's going to make, you know. So there you go. His mathematical numbers speak for themselves. If that's what it takes mathematically, that's what it takes. And that's why they destroyed the schematics, the blueprints, because you could prove all that electronically. If you if you show the exact batteries that they had and the exact electronics, there's no way they could run air conditioning for three days on a bunch of car batteries. And even if they did, it would have lasted like half an hour and it would have gotten the temperature down from 250 to maybe 220. You know, so, yeah, and most of us, most of us, do? most of us never considered any of that stuff when we were told. We just assumed they figure all this stuff out. They know how to do it, and this, that, and the other, and and that that leads to all kinds of questions. You know, I when I graduated, um, I don't know if I said this before this show started or at the first of it, but when I graduated, you know, I was my plans were I was going to go in the Navy, I was going to become a pilot, I was going to use that to go into NASA. That's yeah, folks, that's what I wanted to do. And um, I had went out to Miramar, you know, where they shoot Top Gun. My my aunt got me on the base with a sergeant who was a Marine uh, there, got to, you know, see all the stuff there. Then Jet Propulsion Laboratory, which only has an open house like every seven years, was open. My other aunt in Pasadena took me there. I remember seeing their their replica or whatever of the lunar module. And I even when I saw it, though, I kind of thought some stuff looked a little cheesy on it for this thing that went to the moon, right? And... Then you see these little the, the the cars they got, the little rovers, the golf carts that they're on. Where was this stuff at in that lunar module? That's the question I got. Have you ever asked that question? How did where did these things come from? Well, my investor, who is a board member of an aerospace company building rockets for NASA, who knows they didn't go to the moon, he says, you know, the lunar module is a complete joke. I mean, first of all. Elon Musk, with 21st century technology, with 50 years of better technology, which grows exponentially, it took him six attempts with computers probably one million times more advanced than the ones they used at NASA during the alleged moon landings. It took him six attempts to land a rocket vertically because it's so difficult. And that was with a computer on each of the six rockets surrounding the computer to get that thing to land without falling over blew up the first five times in the 21st century with five decades better technology. So how could they, with one millionth the computing power of a cell phone, land vertically every single time they tried? How is that possible? Ever think about that one? So, you know, there's so much proof we didn't go. Logic, mathematics, Von Braun's own testimony, testimony from an eyewitness. And it is what it is. You know, the sad thing is we already have 3,000 engineers and architects at risking their reputation from looking crazy, saying it's impossible for an airplane hole going through a steel frame skyscraper to cause it to collapse. They say it's like a pencil throwing through a screen door. Then there's Building 7, which half the world doesn't even know about, Yep, that had a furniture fire that collapsed. And that's like the key to the whole thing. So we have that. We have 20,000, I mean, 3,000 people saying who are qualified. It's not planes that brought it down. And then we have William Benny saying, you know, the CIA, NSA, spying on Supreme Court justices to blackmail them. We have all that. 
and nothing is done because the people at the top of the Justice Department, FBI, are controlled. This is when we reform this country, if there's time before Christ's return, we need to not allow presidential appointments of the FBI, Justice Department. Those need to be from elections from within because you could have 99.999% of the FBI be honest. And if the corrupt presidential appointee says we're not going to investigate this, they're not going to investigate it because if they disobey, they'll be fired. So something that's one of the things that need to change. Another thing I would suggest is if trickle down economics works, which is basically giving tax breaks to the millionaires so they can hire more butlers and it helps the butler class. If copper can flow from the left to the right down a wire, it can flow from right to the left. And I did the math on the last little, you know, trillion dollars given away that was mostly given to multi-billion dollar corporations. So why would they need money? You could have given every citizen about $10,000. And what would they do? They'd go out and buy washers and dryers and cars and houses, and that would trickle up to the rich people, but you would benefit the real people. So we have basically a government that claims to be of the people, by the people, for the people, but the people wouldn't have faked the moon landing. The people wouldn't have faked critics of the space program. So it's not a government of the people, by the people, for the people. So who is it a government of? of these corrupt people at the very top. Both parties are corrupt. If Bernie Sanders is cheated when he gets more votes than Clinton, and if Ron Paul is cheated when he gets more votes than anybody else, then they're not going to allow honest people to go to the top. It's not going to happen. That's right. And if anyone is slightly honest, then they're going to be a one-term person regardless. So that's the way it is. And uh, again, according to my interpretation of Matthew, I think, 24, which says it's going to get so bad in the last days that everyone will be destroyed unless God intervenes, that the evil people are going to win. They're, they're going to realize that their computer models of depopulation are simply based on their computer models. I mean, the computer models are based on human thought. So they're basically getting a computer to tell them what they want to say. It says that in the Bible. They'll gather around them a great number of teachers, including AI, to tell them what their itching ears want to hear. And as they start depopulating the world through the current event and you know GMOs or whatever they're doing, it's going to backfire. They're going to find out they made a, a severe miscalculation, and it's going to end up destroying themselves. The Bible says so. The evil people are running the world. The evil people are going to succeed, and apparently it's going to backfire on them because so few people are going to survive their own you know, plans, which are going to be wrong, that God's going to have to intervene at the end to, to save at least some people. So we know we're living in the last days. We know from the book of Acts and Joel that believers are going to have more visions. I've had, I had my first vision after my heart surgery. I couldn't sleep when I woke up from the anesthesia. I was just so wide awake. I couldn't sleep for more than 24 hours. And then finally, the split second I fell asleep. I saw scriptures in front of my eyes, just like the titles at the beginning of a funny thing happened on the way to the moon. Luke 21, 11. Oh, okay. Uh, Let me look that up. So it's Jesus answering the question, what are the signs of the end of the age? He says there will be great earthquakes in various places, disease pandemics, food shortages, and signs in the heavens. So my interpretation of that is God's telling me the end times have begun. And then about a month ago, I had a dream where I saw the front license plate of a car. Now, in my state, you can put whatever you want on the front. And it said, I think, Matthew 13, I'm sorry, Mark 13, 13 through 14. That's pretty specific. So I wake up, I write it down, I look it up. It's again, 
about the end times. And my interpretation, the part that stands out to me, is the part that says, when you see Jerusalem surrounded, flee to the mountains. So if that part stands out to me, my belief is that what God is telling me is you need to get physically ready for the tribulation, meaning if you're in the city, go to the country, flee to the mountains. So not only is the first vision telling me the end times have begun, no more wondering, this is it, the big finish has started. Number two is if you want to physically survive to a certain degree, you better start you know, stocking up, getting away from crowded areas, so forth and so on. Yeah, I think there's I think there's a lot of things that we need to do uh, prepping and seeing because and I don't again our eschatology differs. Uh, mine is more of a optimistic one out of 1 Corinthians 15 where it says that Christ is ruling and reigning, that he has been doing that for a long time, that he's subduing all of his enemies until the final one which is death. Uh I see Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21 as I mean the, the disciples have just talked to him about the temple that's there. And he says, I'm telling you, there ain't going to be a stone left upon it. Well, when are these things going to happen? And what's going to be the sign <laughs> of the end of the age? Hang on just a second. What's going to be the sign of the end of the age? So they don't even believe Jesus is about to die that week, even though he's told them and, and resurrect. They don't have, that isn't even in their minds. And so they say, when is this going to happen? And he begins to lay it out. And you can read some of these things in Acts, the famines, the earthquakes, all that stuff is, is taking place there. Uh, and in, in the midst of that, he's pointing to the fact that he's going to destroy Jerusalem. And those who listen to his words, the ones that you said there, which I think we can apply today because we see his judgment uh, in, really in full force in our society. Not going to lay hands on you here. Just going to straighten up my camera. Uh, Feel free. But but he, but you know, he warned them, and the people who got out of the city when they saw the abomination of desolation, which Luke says, when you see the armies surrounding Jerusalem, then know its desolation is near. Don't go in your in your house for any of this stuff. Get out, like you said, flee to the mountains. And you know what? No Christians, no believers in the Lord Jesus who were in that city died in that city. But you can read about those people who perished in. In it in uh, Josephus's works, and it is utterly horrifying the judgments that God said He would bring upon them in Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus 26. He did in closing out the Old Testament, as the writer of Hebrews says, to make way for that which was coming, the new that was being established. And the destruction of Jerusalem is God's way of saying, Ain't going back to that, guys. That was the shadows and types. That was the picture book. You have the reality, the one who's greater than the temple, the Lord Jesus. Don't go back to that. And that's the warning of the writer of Hebrews is that. So, you know, I see the last days accomplishing there of closing out that old te- that old covenant. And those last days were already going on then because uh, Peter says, you know, last days there's going to be false teachers who come out. Jude says they're already here. <laughs> you know, he's already talking about those things. But that's that's probably a subject for another time. We'll talk about that. Bart, I want to thank you for coming back okay, on. Can I add something, yeah, please? Go ahead. Basically, uh, I we've never talked until now. So I want to just add for ourselves and the listeners I think if we both discuss things openly as loving brothers, uh, we would actually agree on everything if we had the time. I, I don't want to. I don't want to imply you said it twice that we disagree on this and that. I think we wouldn't disagree if we talked it through. I would learn okay. things from you, and you would learn things from me. We know that there are two teachings that everything happened before uh, before seventy A.D. or everything's going to happen at the end. The other teaching is all the things of Revelation are symbolic, and the other teaching is that they're all literal. What I suggest is the following. 
we, you know, we can't figure out the mind of God, that perhaps both things are true, but everything did happen before 70 AD and everything will happen again in the exact same way, symbolically in the end times, that revelation may prove to be uh, literal and symbolic at the same time that we, God has a multifaceted diamond. You know what I mean? There could be seven sides to this and you're seeing one side, I'm seeing the other side and there's five other sides. And then when, when people tend to disagree, whether it's about the Bible or whether you should paint the house blue or red, generally it's like a, a sphere or a coin hanging in front of us. And you see your half is red. My half is blue. I say, you know, Tim, wake up. It's blue. You say, Bart, what are you blind? It's red. <laughs> yeah, when in I get fact, it. it's both red and blue. And I think if we, if we talked it out, because we've never spoken. Yeah, sure. And no. And what, I, what, I'm, what, yeah. And don't, don't you, take it. You that, know, what you know, of yeah. there's a few comments I've made before and sure. I can already tell you're, you're super insightful and super love the Lord. And I think studied more than me in the Bible. Um, and so I think if we talked it out, we would actually, and my belief is we would come to full agreement. Well, I, I think that, I think those both, kinds of things, truth seekers, yeah, you know, and I there's think only that, one truth, right? I think that's exactly right. And I've often said, um, you know, I don't look, if some, if I disagree with somebody eschatologically and there's, there's a lot more than just the two views, there's, there's, there's several views. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've often said, you know, Ephesians four tells us that God gives gifts to the body. And the reason he gave them is so that we all come to the unity of the faith. So we all thought we all should be moving towards the same mindset, the same thoughts I in that. I agree completely. And, and so I agree with you. If we have the authority, if our authority is the word of God, we can go to that. And if we have any disagreements, we can do it. So I'm, I'm not implying by any stretch of the imagination that I'm upset with you or that we can't come to any kind of, I don't want to do that. But what I was going to do was since the show really wasn't about that, it was more more on on what you've got here with the moon was maybe talk to you off air and uh, so if you if you got a couple of minutes what I'll do sure. I, I'm going to close out the show just hang on with me and I'll say goodbye to you off air and we'll talk a little bit about this but guys catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern 2 p.m. Central SonsOfLibertyMedia.com and uh, then we'll be back with you in the morning 6 a.m. Lord willing and uh, boy I, I probably should record what Bart and I are going to talk about maybe we'll throw this out there as a bonus or something I don't know anyway we'll talk to you in the morning see you.